There are many issues that plague youth. The church acts as a safe haven. It provides a place where youth can come together to hear the Word of God. Upper Room Media presents to you this Youth Talk, delivered from Sydney, Australia. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our God, so We went to Kenya and we were um, staying in a place called Messina, which is out in the country, right? So in the country, they don't really have morgues, they don't really have, like, um, fridges, they don't really have electricity or running water, especially at the time we went right at the beginning, it was pretty bad. Flushing toilets, Sam can give you a story about a flushing toilet that didn't work. Anyway, and mops and whatever. Anyway, so where you would store dead bodies is in a morgue. Now, their morgues were not fridges. Here, we have cold fridges, one sliding door for each body, whatever. Their morgues are like a shelf, right? And each shelf has about 20 bodies all lying on top of each other all naked and if it doesn't matter if it's a baby or a grown-up or whatever now what would happen would be the family would come to this campus at Messino where we were at they'd ride a motorbike and the motorbike would come through the gate with the coffin sideways like here and here and the guy riding the motorbike so he could knock people over right behind him was the family and the family were literally dancing and singing to music as they were going to the morgue to pick up the body for the funeral. Okay, so they were riding down the hill, singing songs, dancing, the guy on the bike's like going for it. They go to the morgue, pick the body they want, put it in the box, close the box up, go up, have a funeral, dance, sing, mourn, bury, have a wake, have a party, and send them to heaven. The reason I'm telling you that story is because our view of death It's very, very, very morbid. It's very dark. It's very black. It's like Badashar. Who's how many times have you heard that? Oh, you know, when I die, Badashar. Why would you say that? Oh, touch wood, man. You're not gonna die. Why you're gonna die? Why would you die? It's like, guys, newsflash, we're all gonna die. Okay? We're all gonna die of something at some time. So it is the only guarantee that we have is that we will cease living on this earth. Number one point. We need to change our perspective. Let's, let's look where the origin of death came from, right? If we, if we believe in the Bible, then we understand that death is a concept that happens to us through separation from God. Now, I'm not talking about if we were going to die in the Garden of Eden or we were not going to die in the Garden of Eden. Regardless of the theological complexity of death, because of our sin and our disobedience to God, because what did God ask us to do? He said, don't eat from this tree. Don't eat from the tree. That was it. Don't eat from the tree. The serpent said, eat from the tree. What's going to happen to you? Nothing. God said, do not eat from this tree because you will surely... Die. Die. It's pretty clear, right? You will surely die. What kind of death did he mean? He meant a separation from him. Because he can't abide with someone who, who does not want to be with him. This is God. God loves us so much that if we choose not to be with him, why would he force us to be with him? It's not like me and my kid. If my kid is not going to do what I want, 
I'm going to bend his will or break his back until he does it because I'm his dad. But God's not like that. That's not the relationship that God has with us. He didn't have that with Adam and Eve and he doesn't have that with us today. If we do not want him, he will not interfere. So he gave us the tree to give us the opportunity to want him so that he could be with us. But what did we choose? We choose not to be with him. So death is introduced to us simply because we separated from God. Okay? Now, again, this is not a theological discussion, so I don't want to talk about it. If we were going to die in heaven, if the tree wasn't there, if Adam and Eve didn't sin, would we have died anywhere? I don't know, man, because like that didn't happen. But because of what happened, we are where we are. We are dying. Everyone dies. Corruption happens and we die. Okay? So, let's fast forward a little bit. Because of death, everyone who died from that point onwards was separated from heaven. Because remember, when they sinned and they disobeyed God, what happened to them? They were thrown out of? Who were they thrown out of? Heaven. Out of the Garden of Eden. Which was where they walked with God. So God wanted to be with them, but he was never going to force them to be with him. Understand the concept? So now they don't want him. He goes, okay, even if you don't want me, even if you don't want me, I'm going to make clothes for you and I'm going to kick you out of the garden, but but I'm going to give you the ability to grow crops and I'm going to give you the ability to procreate, even though they could procreate before, but you know, you will procreate, but you're going to be in pain now, lady. And man, you're going to work hard and sweat hard because... You know, this is, you chose this life. I can't interfere with what you've chosen. Okay? So, fast forward, fast forward. Everyone who died from then on, from uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, everyone who died did not go to heaven because there's no, there's no bridge to heaven. We broke that bond between us and heaven. So when they died, it was like we were separated from God, but... If they were part of the plan of God or they were good and they loved God and they were faithful, they stayed in a place called Hades, which is a little bit above hell itself, right? It still was separated from heaven. And how do we know that? Because there's a, a, a parable that Jesus talks about, about Lazarus and the poor man. The poor man was sitting on the floor. Lazarus was eating food. Uh, he wouldn't even give Lazarus the crumbs of the food of the table. They both died. Lazarus went to the bosom of Abraham, which was in Hayes. Because remember, Christ hadn't died and rose yet, so there was no bridge between heaven and um, earth. So he was in the upper place of Hayes, and the rich man was in a very hot place. And he's saying, Lazarus, can you dip your finger in water and put it on my tongue so that I can be cool because it's so hot here? And he said, I'm sorry, the gap between me and you is too wide. The, is the, the chasm or the, the valley between me and you, I can't reach. If I go to you, I can't come back. So that was the gap between Hades and hell. Okay? The, the difference. But when Christ came and Christ died, what did he build? So what happened when Christ came? He taught us about life. He taught us about he was the life. He was the bread of life. He was the light of the world. 
He was the. He, he t- told us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He asked us to understand what God's relationship should be with us. That's what he wanted us to know. So for three years, his ministry was heavy and hard, but it was beautiful. And in that, he experienced death. Can someone tell me um, before he died? He experienced people dying. He probably experienced a lot more. But in the Bible, there were three instances of death that he experienced. And I want to talk about the experiences he had with them and how he felt about it. So can someone tell me one of them? Come, guys, you know the Bible, huh? Lazarus. Okay, Lazarus. So let's go with Lazarus. Lazarus, um, he was a good friend of his. Uh, He died. Um, He was in Bethany. And Lazarus, uh, Lazarus was in Bethany and he was in another town. So then he left that town and went to Bethany to visit him four days after he died. Right? So and when he got there, the guy had been dead for four days. And he said, he, he said something, um, you know, he said something about him being the resurrection and the life. Right? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he then challenged um, Martha who said, you should have been here, he wouldn't have died. And he challenged her and said, don't you believe in the resurrection? The resurrection of life? So he's challenging her about the death of Lazarus and saying, don't you believe in the resurrection? And she said, of course we believe in the resurrection. And the coming. So he was preaching resurrection even in his three years of ministry, right? So that's what Martha believed. Sorry, because you said Lazarus is out of order. I'm trying to find it here. Uh, Martha and sister Lazarus, la, 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 la. So it's in, um, if anyone wants to look for it, it's in John 11, chapter 1 to 40. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, sorry. Uh, so when Jesus came, he found that he'd already been dead in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews joined the women around Martha. Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went to meet him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So this is how Jesus felt about death. Your brother will rise again. So he was upset about it, but he said, your brother will rise again. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die. So you will die. But even if you die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He's challenging Martha to what she already knows. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. Who has come into the world. So he, you know, she revealed, of course I believe that. Because I've been your closest friend for the last period of time. Me, my brother and my sister. Of course I believe that. And when she had said these things, he went away and secretly called Mary her sister. The teacher has come, he's calling for you, blah, blah. I'm not saying bloody blah about the gospel, but you know, uh, let's get to the crux of it. Uh, Lord, if you've been here, your brother would not have died. Therefore, Jesus, this was, this was um, her sister, Mary. And she said, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? 
They said, Lord, come and see. And this is verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible. What's it say? Jesus wept. So it's okay to show emotion when someone dies. Because even Jesus cried. But people, the, the church fathers talk about this death or this, this weeping is weeping not just for Lazarus, but for the whole of creation. It didn't have to be like this. You didn't have to disobey. You didn't have to separate from me. I always wanted you. And I've always continued to want you, humans. Always. To the point where I became you and died for you. Get it? See how death is our friend? Because even he came to die. But even he wept for it. Let's continue. See how he loved him. That's the Jews assumed that he was crying for Lazarus, which he was. There's a a mixed emotion here. I'm crying for Lazarus because he's my friend, but I'm crying for the whole of humanity. Okay? It's not just Lazarus. And then we know what happened. Uh, He opened the tomb. It's going to stink. And you notice how he said, Lazarus, come forth. The the unique thing about that, and it's in that St. Paul's... uh, um, uh, brotherhood, uh, the condensed uh, understanding of Week. Uh, there's a commentary in there that speaks about this exact thing, Lazarus come forth. The reason why, and one of the church fathers says, the reason why he actually mentioned Lazarus's name, Tabitha's name, and the man's name, is because if he said, come forth, he'd have a problem on his hands. Every single person that died before would have risen. They, they would have been reanimated. The soul would have come from haze and put, been put in their body. Their bodies would have been reanimated into humans and they would have risen from the dead. This is the power that this God-man has. Jesus has this power to raise the dead. Yet he wept for us. Okay. So that's, that's Lazarus. Who's the other one? Jairus' daughter? Is that right? Yeah, it is. So her name is? Tabitha. Is it? Anyway, I'll keep reading. Uh, While he spoke these things, a ruler came and worshipped him and said, My daughter just died, uh, but come lay your hand on her and she will live. A uh, woman who, uh, who the, we know about the woman who had the flow of blood. And then when Jesus came to the ruler's house, he saw flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. He said to them, make room for the girls not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put aside, he went in and took her by the hand. And the girl arose and reported this went out into the land. There is a name of the girl, I can't remember the name. I read it in another commentary, um, but, but he called her by her name as well, and she rose. Okay? Again, she rose from the dead because he felt compassion for her parents and for her. She's 12 years old, she's young, he felt compassion. Who's the last one? Nice. The son of the widow's name. Another instance where he sees the funeral coming, he sees the old lady, he knows that she's a widow, he knows that that's her son, and that son would be the only um, 
person who would be able to fend and uh, help her in her life. But he died. So her only um, source of life died. So he felt compassion for her, went, put his hand on the uh, coffin and raised the man from the dead. Again, he felt compassion for her. I want to ask you a question. So those three people rose from the dead. Did they live forever? Is Lazarus, the, the girl, and the widow of Nain's son walking around now in Bankstown looking for clothes? No? Are they? Um, have you seen Lazarus, apart from my Lazarus, have you seen Lazarus at Macca's ordering drive through What happened to those three? Did they have to die again? So death is certain. Regardless of Jesus raises you from the dead, you must die. You have to die. Okay? So Lazarus became the um, uh, Bishop of Cyprus, and then he died in Cyprus, and he has a grave in Cyprus. So you can go and visit it anytime you like. We visited the empty tomb in Jerusalem twice. Uh, I got stuck in it because I was too fat, but it's a lovely tomb. You've got to crawl in. And then I couldn't get out, and one all was laughing at me. Another story. Um, the, obviously, the girl passed away, and the widow of Nain's son passed away. So, even though Christ reanimated them, soul, body parts, put them together, and then handed them back to their parents, they still had to die. So, we have to die. All right. What is this fear we have of death? I'm going to go back to Kenya and other places who celebrate death as something that is not the end, but the step into the eternal. Unfortunately for us, we live in the West. Fortunately, because we don't want for anything. Unfortunately, because we are spiritually dead. But not not present company, not included, of course, because you're... Spiritual wizards, right? Ready for heaven now. But because of the West, we have a problem. We're we're a consumerism market. We just want everything now. We want to eat now. We want to enjoy pleasures now. We're sold this through everything we look at. Every piece of advertising, we're sold that life is great. Life is good. Live your life. Do what you want to do. Be what you want to be. Yeah. Right? That's the song, right, Fred? So, so we are told to live it up. Okay? We're not told to be weary, to think of our salvation, to think of our death. So that when someone dies in our family, some of us don't cope. Some of us lose our mind. Now, I'm not saying we should be sitting here going, we're going to die. Yeah, we're dying. Yippee. I'm going to think about my death from this point till the day I die. Hey, guess what? I'm dying, man. Of course we're all dying. So the day you're born, you start dying, right? But that's what I'm asking you to do. But we need to be aware of our death. We need to understand that the life we live is not about what I can keep for me, and how I can feed this body, and that I'm going to live forever. Because at your age, you think that death is so far away. But if you ask a Buna, or any Abuna in this church, 
they've seen kids your age pass away of diseases, of accidents, of, of whatever. The ones with diseases have a chance to be ready because they know they have an end. It's coming sooner, sooner than they expect. <laughs> that kid's going to go to heaven soon. <laughs> temporary, temporary Australian. <laughs> Is he okay or funeral? He's rubbing his head. <laughs> Alright, get out. Get out. Anyway, we are always thinking about what we can have next. Those ones that die early, some people say are lucky because what they do is they prepare themselves for the next life. Are we prepared? Are you prepared? Because you know what I'm thinking about? I'm not prepared. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about it's the weekend. What have I got to do tomorrow? Uh, I'm sure my wife's got me doing about 50 chores. I've got to, I'm sure I'm going to have a really nice lunch. I've got a birthday party on Sunday night. I've got a, I'm always thinking about what's happening next. Uh, honey, what are we doing this weekend? Like what fun activity are we doing that's not the daily routine? Or then during the week, I'm thinking about work. Or if I'm a student, I'm thinking about my study. Or I'm thinking about, so when am I thinking about my salvation? When am I thinking about my end? And this is why the church is, in its wisdom, continues to tell you to pray. To continues to tell you to come to liturgy so that you can separate yourself from consumerism, from the world, from the devil. Because if you think about it, the devil's job is to separate you from heaven, separate you from God, to put you in a place where you will not gain salvation. How does he do that? He gets you with addiction. He gets you with distraction. He gets you with anxiety. He gets you with regret. So the devil, the devil loves ensuring that you're worried about the past. What did I do? How can I change the past? I made a mistake. What am I going to do about that past? The devil makes you worry and be anxious about the future. What am I going to be? How good am I going to be at it? When am I going to be the best? Why haven't I got enough money? I could get more money. I should put shares in that Facebook thing that I see every day that pops up. I should really be more rich than I am at the moment. See? See the anxiety that comes with all these dumb things that we look at? By the way, I get affected by that Facebook crap too. Because I look at it and go, yeah, this guy sounds like he's legit. I should put 20 bucks in this prosperous rubbish, whatever. It's rubbish. Because who is my future? Who is my present? My present, I should be worried about here and now. I should be worried about where I am right now. Am I ready? Okay, yes, I'm ready for that exam I'm doing tomorrow. I have to do that. I'm ready for, I've cleaned my room, my mum's not going to kick me out. I've, uh, you know, I've bought flowers for my wife's anniversary. Whatever, I've done the stuff that I need to do. But am I ready for God? Am I ready for heaven? Am I ready for death? Because it could come at any time. Death could come like that. I could be in a bus. The accident could happen. The bus could roll and I could lose my head. Right? I'm dead. Am I ready? So we need to think about the present. And if I'm ready, if the Lord takes me now, that I can go to heaven. Not worry about 
50 years from now, where am I going to be? And what are my kids going to be? And if I bring kids into this world, what are they going to be? And what are their grandkids going to be? And oh my God, I then just like completely lose myself in something that hasn't even happened yet. Right? I think that for us and death, we must know Jesus more. Because he really is life. He is life. So if I have a life and a friend in Jesus, I'm not even I'm not scared of death. I'm not scared of dying because he is life. If he's my best friend and my best friend is life, then I've always got life. The other thing I have to see is that the death is a transition, not an end. We look at death as the end. When I die, I finish. I'm finished. I go into the ground and the worm eats my body. The body that I spent all that money on. The body that I, you know, I got hairless. I didn't, but, you know, took all the hair off or did whatever I had to do or got fit or not got fit or got fat or got stench, whatever. Right? That body is now rotting and being eaten by worms. Have I been, have I, am I looking at that as a transition or as the end? We should be looking at it as the step into the next part of our eternity, which is the rest of our lives. Eternity. For eternity. So let's talk about heaven for five minutes, right? Heaven. What do people think heaven are? Yell it out to me. Because I was asked before, heaven seems like it's going to be pouring. Tell me what you think heaven is. Anybody? What? You said marriage. It's not marriage, isn't it? Okay. Light. Light. Okay. It's very. It's going to be light all the time. What's the source of the light? God. Beautiful. Um, what else is heaven? Come on. I'm start naming and shaming. Even if I don't name them angels, right? Yep. What's in heaven? Huh? Praises? How about people who've gone before us? How about that? How about like, you know, I, I don't know if you know, but my mum and dad passed away. I know they're going to be in heaven. Right? Because I know, I like to know. Maybe they could have been, you know, running a cartel that I didn't know about and they could go to hell. But I doubt it very much. But I'm hopeful to see them in heaven. Right? So people who went before me, my grandparents, people who haven't gone yet, I know that when they go, I know that I will meet them again. We've had a few runs of deaths over the last... Actually, death never stops, but, but things that are close to our hearts have passed away recently. You know, friends, sons of friends, um, uh, young kids... We've had people who have close encounters with death, who have had heart issues, who, um, you know, and we, we're going, Haram, Ya Rab, he's only 10 or 11, why would you take him, whatever. But this hope in resurrection, but this also this hope in heaven being a place where we will meet our family again, is another reason why we want to go to heaven. Why wouldn't we? What else do you think would be in heaven? How about Jesus? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'd be there, right? Jesus would be there and, you know, he's 
apparently, according to the Gospels, is a pretty cool bloke to hang out with. Really nice guy. Loved us. Died on the cross for us. Everyone who hung around him felt this immense joy. I met a man that knew everything about me and told me everything about my life. Imagine meeting that guy. There's a song by Mercy Me that says, What will happen when I see Jesus' face? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Will I, will I bow? Will I, will I do this? Will I do that? What am I going to do? We really should be thinking like that. And when we think in those ways, we start imagining that heaven is a great place to go and that death is somewhere we need to look forward to. Unfortunately for us, we see death in a very vain way because we look at life in a vain way. There's a picture I should have organised to get it up on the screen, but I don't, I'm not, I'm just lazy. I was going to say I'm technically challenged, but I'm not. I was just going to use it as an excuse. But let me, let me try and show you on my phone. Hang on. Can everyone see this? So that's a, that's a flower. That's a skull. And that's a, what are the things, sand of time, sand hourglass that's in that place. All right, so just imagine that's the flower, that's the skull, and that's an hourglass. Now, there is an explanation for this. This picture was drawn by some dude, um, I, can't, I can't pronounce his name, anyway, it doesn't matter. But St. Leo of Optina said, remembrance of death teaches us to be attentive to ourselves, often in the blossoming years they are carried away from this life to the eternal. And it is more terrifying if it is sudden. And we who are nearing the doors of the tomb, can we prolong our life for many years? Let us repent and we will live spiritually forever. Now, let me talk about the picture. So that's Leo of of, of Tina. The picture itself The rose or the flower is a symbol of our vanity. Because what we do is we look after ourselves like this rose. But the rose will eventually die. Not only will it die, it will eventually droop. Everything about me is drooping more than it did when I was young. My belly's drooping, you know, my beard is drooping, my nose is drooping. Everything's drooping, right? Because I'm old. But you guys are young. You guys are fit and tight and light, you know. Six pack, whatever, right? But that's vanity. Why? I'm not saying don't do it. Do it. But we, if we just concentrate on that all the time, we're concentrating on the death of something that's not going to be forever. The time, the hourglass, is that our time is finite, not infinite. Finite being, it's limited. Our time in this coil, this mortal coil, this flesh, is limited. It's not forever. And the skull is remembrance of death. Remembering that we will die. In Greek monasteries, every monk that dies in Greek and Russian monasteries, what they do is they put their body away in a place until their body decomposes. Then they take their skull and they write their name on their skull and uh, like a verse or something and then stick it on top of all the other skulls of the other monks that die. Every monk has a time in that 
area to look at the other monks that went before them to know that there will be a day that my skull will be on top of all these other skulls. Isn't that a great way of looking at it? My life here is finite. I should be spending more time with God because it's limited. Now, none of you are going to, well, I don't know in the future, but none of you are going to possibly die tomorrow, right? And some of you will live to 80, 90. Some of you might live to 100. But let's say you get to 100. Can you live another 50 years more? No. Death is the end. So my last message to you is, I would like you all to embrace death as a positive thing that Christ died for us so that we may have life. Remember I said before that Jesus himself took on death and died so that we had a way to get to heaven. We must embrace death as that gateway to eternity that Jesus himself had to take. We also have to embrace resurrection because after death is resurrection. We should die to ourselves daily. If we die to ourselves daily, die to our sin, die to our pleasures, die to our addictions, die to the way I treat people, I should treat them better, and have kill these things off, I die to them by killing them off, then death to me is not a foreigner. It's not a stranger. It's me getting rid of the things that are separating me from God. Because the thing that separated me from God is death. But Christ conquered that death with his death so that I could rise again and be with God. I could be in heaven with him. Please remember that. That's really all I've got. Has anyone got any questions? I mean, death is a big subject. We can talk about a lot of it. Is there anything that I didn't cover that someone wants to talk about? What if I go to heaven with one leg? We'll have two legs up there. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Just ask the question. Yeah. yeah. Um. What about people that you're not certain that will go to heaven? <laughs> How? Where's your comfort in that? Well, your comfort is in prayer. So. Um, we pray, Abuna, Abuna Johnny, Abuna Anthony said once, imagine that prayer, your, your comfort is in prayer, imagine that one day, like in one day, let's say today, everyone you pray for, God answered that prayer. Imagine, how many people would have had them, how many people would you have helped today? So if we live our life knowing that our prayer will eventually be answered by God, then we continue to pray. We never stop. Because God answers prayers. But He might not answer them today. But if you imagine that He did do it today, how many people would you... Like today, I'll pray for no one. I was cursing everybody. So no one would have been saved today. right? But I should pray every day. I should go to church. I pray every day. Every day, repeat the names. Oh, but God knows. No, no. He wants to hear it from you. Answer your question. That's the comfort you have in prayer. Yes. But, like, let's say someone has already passed away. When you pray for them, is that just for your own peace? You pray for your own peace. You don't pray. What happens to people that are related to you or not? Like, I'll give you an example. If I work with someone and I want that person to go to heaven, 
but then I'm not sure, and, but I really love this person and I want them to go to heaven and I'm not sure if they're going to know God or not know God. I don't know what happens at the end. I don't know what happens at the last moment of their life. I don't know what opportunity God has given them to repent. I don't know. So I live in the hope that they got the opportunity and they took it. But if they didn't take it, God is not going to force it on them. Right at the beginning of the talk I said to you, God was not going to force himself on anyone. Because why would he do that? I mean, I do that to my kids. No, you will take your glasses off or I will smash them on the ground or whatever. Like, that's ludicrous usually. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I want to force my... That's not the relationship that God has with us. God has a relationship where he wants to be with us, but if we don't want to be with him, he's not going to force the issue. So the comfort we take is that we hope that when they were given the opportunity, they took it. They took that opportunity. Yes? Um, why do we mention the people that passed away? Um, because we ask the Lord to repose the souls of those who have passed before. And we, we also we, we mention the saints and everything else. But the reason why we do it too is because at that point of the liturgy, we're very close to heaven. So when we're mentioning those names, those names are attending with us in the liturgy. It feels like we're close to them. So um, someone said to me at that point of the liturgy where we're mentioning the, you know, because all the saints, they've said that St. Pope Prolos used to see them appear in front of him uh, while he was repeating the names of the saints. So we then have taken on that habit of mentioning the people that we know so that they may appear, but I doubt it very much. But, you know, we're close to them. We're very close. Or we do it on the Remembrance Day because we feel we, we want to remember them and we want them to be mentioned on the altar. Or we do it, you know, after, just after they died for three days or whatever. Does that answer the question? Yes. And you mentioned earlier that um, before Christ came, obviously, Hades was a waiting place. Yep. Um, so, well, everyone in the Old Testament, were they t- like, was Hades like a torturous place? Or was it just a waiting place? Just, just a waiting place, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, it wasn't paradise. It wasn't heaven, right? So, it was, a, it had the uh, patriarchs and the prophets and the saints waiting, right, for Jesus to come. But, but they couldn't go to heaven because there was no way to get to heaven until Christ died. But there's no torture No, but the bad ones, like Saul, and like, like in the parable of uh, Lazarus and the rich man, the rich man went to Hades and he said it was too hot. So, because, because there was no... Uh, in paradise, you're, you're in a much nicer place. It's not. The, it's like it's like you're on the fourth level of Hades, of hell, right? And you don't know what's going on downstairs, but you can hear a lot of not so nice things going on, right? And that's why when the parable of Lazarus was saying that um, Lazarus dip your finger in and reach over and give me the water, he was saying that it's too far away. I don't want to fall. I don't want to go down to that level. I'm not going down there. Does that answer your question? So does that mean the bad people, like before Christ, does that mean the bad people went to hell and the good people went to Hades? Yes. Everyone yes. To no, no. Um, if you were bad and evil, like, I don't want to mention names, but let's, let's call it Saul, for instance, because Saul 
did sorcery and he did really bad things, he would have gone to Hades. Lazarus, in the parable, went to Hades. They went to hell. Hell, not Hades. Hades. In the hot place. Away from Hades. So Hades was his side and the hot place was over there. Yeah? And there was a big chasm between the two. That, that was the parable. Like, if you read the parable... The rich guy. The rich guy went oh, to Hades and Lazarus, yes. He was with, with, was with Abraham. Yeah. On this side. He was in the bosom of Abraham, he said. Right. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Michael. I don't know if this is like relevant but how do we um, how do we like I guess discuss like the, the like purgatory with Catholic people or just like if someone asks you oh like but what about purgatory we don't believe in purgatory yeah uh, it's, it's, it's not really relevant to death in the sense that only it is a Catholic thing where purgatory is a place where if there was look the idea of purgatory is really nice. I like the idea, but it, I, we don't believe in it in the Coptic Orthodox Church. Uh, it's a place where if there were sins that you committed that you didn't know you committed or you were like you didn't live a very virtuous life, but you died a good man, you could be prayed for here, there, and then those prayers will lift you up out of purgatory into paradise so that you wait for a good judgment, not a bad one, right? We don't believe in that. We don't believe that that's the case. We believe you have it to hear. But who's to say, I've heard a couple of women say, who's to say there's not, that our prayers don't affect the dead, like don't affect those who are waiting. So we pray for them anyway, right? So we pray, we pray for the dead anyway, and we mention them in the liturgy like we are saying before and whatever. So is it, is it a bad thing? No, but we're not doing it for their salvation, we're just doing it because it's not a bad thing to do, you know. Like, uh, well, but we're not going to go pray for Ivan Milad. Like, we can, but it's not. I don't think it makes a difference. Any other questions about death, life, or anything else? Bacon and egg sandwiches. Anything? No. All right. Glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.